Hi, and welcome back to episode five of Prospectives, your real estate podcast where you get the perspectives of two professional real estate agents. I am Jessica Preventure, the broker owner here of Pro Homes Group and Lair Realty Partners, and I am here with my co-host, Keith Valancourt. Hi, everyone. So, big news. Yes. That the March data is in and home sales across the country are up 9.6%. I know. Super exciting. It is because here's the thing is it's, it was unexpected. Yeah. They they were expecting another downturn. Rates Um, as rates were going up. Yeah. People were expecting this month to be a little bit lower, but. Yeah. And remember this is national data. The increases from our area of the country. Right. Yeah. From the Northeast. So, in fact, CoreLogic and Kay Schiller reported that prices rose 0.2% in March. So, not only did the number of home sales increase far above what was expected, prices also increased. And this is in the face of a seven-month downturn. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know it shows people still want to buy. Here's the thing, and and we're going to get into it more about when we start talking about New Hampshire, but the bottom line is this country has a housing shortage. Mm -hmm. This country has a housing shortage. We, New Hampshire, has a huge housing shortage, but the entire country housing shortage, everybody needs to buy. Exactly. Or wants to buy. Or wants to buy. And um, with rates so going up. So, you know, we always talk about really understanding your local data, but it's important that the headlines you see that you're aware of whether they're talking about a nationwide data and all this talk about prices going down, et cetera, has all been nationwide. And so this data that's now coming up nation that's based on the whole country saying that new home sales are up you know i think the data here says they were uh, projecting six hundred and twenty-three thousand in february that's what the projection was for march and we ended up at six hundred and eighty-three thousand. jesus right sixty thousand more homes across the country it's not it doesn't seem like a lot but that's quite a bit I think so. I think that's a lot for what yeah. we were expecting, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And pr- and prices coming up a little is is a lot too. Now, most of those gains are, like we said, in New, New Hampshire. So, you know, we're going to jump right into New Hampshire, which is why what everybody, you know, if you're watching this, we're in New Hampshire. <laughs> um, but New Hampshire just came out with its 2023 New Hampshire statewide housing needs assessment that came out in March, which is huge. Um, And this jumps right into the supply shortage. And according to these, the executive summary, um, New Hampshire is currently short 23,500 units. Right now. Right right now in 2023. In in debt, 23,000 houses. Correct. (laughs) So when we talk about what we're seeing in terms of 30 offers and 50,000 over, et cetera, this is why. And this is why you're not going to see prices plummet Mm -hmm. is supply and demand. You learn this in high school economics, you know, when there is such low supply and a high demand, then that raises prices. People will still buy. The rates rates are going to increase. They're going to go down. They're going to fluctuate, but people still want need to buy. And, um, yeah, and we're not only that, not only just for where this last year, but 
um, over the next until it looks like uh, between 2020 and 2030. I mean, we need to be up 60,000 units. I know we're yeah. 23,000 now, but in the next Ten years. seven years, yeah. we need to be up another another 60,000 on top of that. So, um, yeah. you know, we got to we got to do something. There has to be things coming up to uh, try to get more housing available for people. Well, and this isn't just for buyers and sellers rentals our rental situation is not any better we have extremely low vacancy rates and what that does is it favors high to medium income renters and those are typically the renters that can then become buyers right so what we're doing is we're leaving low income citizens residents kind of out of the mix and the the thing is is that if we want our population to continue to grow, if we want our workforce to continue to grow, they need to have places to live. Right. Um, so we need to, we need to, you know, when you talk about rental and affordable housing, affordable right. housing. Yes. A hundred percent. And I found some things really interested. Like, did you know that 63% of all housing structures in 2020, uh, excuse me, 2020 were single family? I did not. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, because only about 12% are 5 to 49 units. Hmm. So I always think of the big condo associations or big rental places. um, And you think like those must add up quickly, but that's only 12% of the housing in the whole state. Wow. You know, this report is fascinating. It talks about household types, the income, the total units we need. I thought some of the chances of getting a home were pretty interesting. These are about rentals, um, but renters would have about a 5% chance, 5% chance of finding an affordable vacant unit of low income renters, 5% chance. That's not a very good percentage. That's not a very good. 5% chance on men. No, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially if you're, um, <laughs> And this says there's 23,000 renters in the state that are paying a higher rent than what is really affordable for their income. And I find this to be fascinating because when it comes to rent, they recently they've started saying, you know, you need to make three times your rent in order to get because because the landlords can specify that, which is like very challenging. And I've had a number of clients who have come to me that are paying rent have never missed their rent, they're looking to purchase, and they cannot qualify for a mortgage with the same monthly payment as what they're currently paying in rent. And to me, this is such a devastating, I mean, I have very- It's like a cycle, you're stuck. You're stuck, stuck and a cycle cycle of poverty, really, because if we believe that home ownership and property ownership is the financial differentiator in this country, which I absolutely believe to the core of my being, then keeping people out of that opportunity of course. Is, keeps them in that cycle of you're renting. A, you're paying a mortgage to rent, which is all you can afford, which keeps you in that state. Like you and said, it, it's and that I cycle. feel, and the reason for that is because the debt to income ratios that are required for selling loans on the um, on the secondary market, et cetera. I feel like there should be some way where if you can prove, hey, I've been paying this and I've been paying it for 
24 months or whatever, that there's some sort of exceptions that the lenders will use. I mean, these people that I know, they're paying it. Sure. They've been paying $2,000 a month, $1,700 a month for the last two years, and yet they don't qualify for a mortgage for yeah. that. So as you said, they're paying somebody else's mortgage, and that's fine. Yeah. Or they or they do qualify, but they can't afford or can't get one of these starter homes because of XYZ or the amount of uh, people that are out there Yeah. and people overbidding for these houses and getting them outpricing those people that can't afford the uh, renovations that may they have mm -hmm. to do because they're mm -hmm. sinking everything in. And again, they're stuck in this the state of poverty you can't get can't buy a house you're paying the rental so that makes the owner of the rental happy and it's just feeds yeah, it's into a vicious it. cycle yeah. so it'll be really interesting to see not just in new hampshire um but what happens across the country to kind of remedy this issue sure. right because it's kind of like an american dream home ownership home ownership land for ownership. sure and you know how, how Everyone we... should have the opportunity to do that. Correct. You know, it's interesting too. What you know, like I think about some of these people I'm I'm referring to are single mothers, mm -hmm. right? So, if you're a single person or you're a married couple, you maybe can buy a one bedroom condo, stay there for a couple years, take out the equity to get into the new thing. But if you're a single mother or single father or um, even a married couple and you have two or more kids, it's like you're not going into a two-bedroom condo. Sure. You know, you, you need you need three bedrooms right. or whatever, especially if you have children of the opposite sex. So where do they go? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And some of the rents in New Hampshire, I mean, you're paying $2,300 a month. That is a mortgage. But that was my first mortgage payment. Yeah. So like $2,200 a month. It's crazy. Anyway, um, the bottom line is we're here to help you. <laughs> So if you have any questions or concerns about where you need to be, you know, reach us out to us here at the Pro Homes Group, and we will certainly do all that we can to help find you permanent housing that works for you. Um, it's out there. It's out there. It's out there. You just you got to find it. You got to know people that can find it for you, and you have to be looking in the in the right spots and be looking for what is for you. Correct. But they are out there. Yeah. We find. We find them. We absolutely do. <laughs> So, speaking of finding them, what do you think about this article about agents hiring virtual assistants? Well, last week we talked about ChatGPT and how you should be using it uh, to, for certain things and, and helping you um, in a lot of different fields. But this is the actual virtual assistant. So, yeah, I thought this was, it was great and um, it really opened my eyes. After the GPT, you start to think. And then, you know, we start reading and talking about this. And I'm like, you know, that's really, that's different. The virtual assistant I find could be helpful in a lot of other different different ways than the chat GPT, but equally kind of as, as important or, or dynamic to what we do. A hundred percent. And I think that, um, you know, Tom Ferry, the number one real yes, estate coach in the country, he always says, if you don't have an assistant, you are the assistant. <laughs> Most single or solitary agents, you're doing all the things. Mm -hmm. You're the social media marketer. You're the assistant. You're the, you know, listing prepper. You're the marketing specialist. I mean, you're doing all these things. And, you know, is that always our 
highest and best use of our time. Of course. And that's what it's all about. Is uh, the, the best use of the time. Correct. So like when we say chat GPT and then virtual assistants, I look at them as going hand in hand. Like, why do I have to utilize the chat GPT? But I have a virtual assistant who could do that. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then like I can keep moving and doing the things I do really well, sure. which are negotiating, communicating with clients, communicating with other agents, the real life human stuff. And the virtual assistant is kind of on the back end to support me and maybe utilize the technology. Yeah. And maybe they have an opportunity to get acquainted with it more quickly than I do. Sure. And when you're hiring, that's got to be on your on the prerequisite. You have to be fluent in GPT, chat GPT talk. Yeah. You got to know how to do certain things. You can add that into your uh, when you're interviewing. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's all about leverage. So like a solo agent completely by yourself without a transaction coordinator, without an assistant, without, you're going to max out on how many deals you can do a year, just literally from time, time yeah. constraints. Sure. So when you start thinking about leveraging, I think uh, a virtual assistant is probably your best start starting pace. And that's honestly where I started. I literally wrote down it ended up being four pages. <laughs> like this is all the stuff that needs to get done that maybe isn't my forte. Sure. And my first assistant was a great, great um, woman that I had previously worked with in another life, and she was looking to be a stay-at-home mom, uh, you know, stay home with her children, and she had all these skills. And so I said, "Listen, I know." in the amount of time I'm going to pay you for, you can't do all four pages, but what can yeah, you do and what sure. can you do well? And she was like, I can do this, this, and this. And it was like, yeah, go for it. And she did that all from home on, I didn't dictate the hours, you know, it was project based yeah, essentially. Some people, it's kind of, like you said, very convenient for a lot of people that are stay at home or have other things going on. Exactly. Um, getting things done at their own leisure. That's, that's huge for some people. So I think figuring it out, like, what are the things that you need support with first and foremost, and then finding the right person for the job, because that is something that I ran into trouble with when I tried to get one person to do all the things. Mm -hmm. And it's like that person that's really good at detail orientation and, and transaction coordinating and all those details may or may not be most likely is not the person that's good at social media graphics and sure. posts, right? They're different type of um, personality. And so really figuring out what your first steps are. And then maybe you hire multiple part-time virtual assistants. I was going to say virtual is, it's got to be less expensive than having an actual employee coming mm, into oh, yeah. the office and, and that sort of thing. I, I assume there's got to be insurance benefits and, and all that kind of stuff out of it. Actually, I, I mean, hopefully I was supposed to do this, but because I made it project-based, um, all of my assistants have been paid as 1099 contract employees. So that's really convenient. Yeah. yeah so, really you know, convenient. she did 10 hours and I had a social media person that did, you know, 10 hours yeah. and it was projects. Sure. So I didn't dictate their hours. I didn't dictate where they had to be. Um, and so you kind of can. can uh, so virtual assistant seems like a really good thing. Chat GPT, whether you're using it, not using it, they want to use it. Mm -hmm. Whoever wants to use it, serious, um, can get some serious help from from somebody else using their own brain. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. The more brains, the better. <laughs>
Um, if you're an agent thinking about hiring a virtual assistant, let us know um, how your process has been and who you've used. We'd love to hear from you. So it's a quick and easy one this week. Yeah, that works. If you, uh, if you want to subscribe or if you want us to check out any articles, feel free to send them our way. Yeah, we, we want to talk about what you're interested in. So let us know and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.